0: cathedral family God is good all the time. and all the time God is good. it is so great to see you I missed you I missed you I missed you I love you I love you I love you it is good to be back home at Cathedral of Faith amen <laughs> thanks so much for being here whether you're uh, here in the building out in the amphitheater in the drive-in, those who are watching online, different campuses around the Bay Area, thanks so much. We're on a journey. We're joining with 150 churches around the Bay Area looking at some of the most important questions of life. And I want to thank Dr. Wayne for doing such a great job the last couple of weeks. We give it up for Dr. Wayne and our entire team? What a wonderful team. And today... I have the wonderful honor and privilege of talking to you about Jesus. Jesus. Would you say that with me? Jesus. I heard about this one little girl who went to the doctor uh, for a checkup. And so the doctor, he looked inside her ear and he said, oh, am I going to see Big Bird in there? And she was silent. And then he looked down into her mouth and he said, am I gonna find Cookie Monster in there? And she was silent. And then he got a stethoscope and listened to her heartbeat and said, am I gonna find Barney in there? And she spoke up. She said, no, Jesus is in my heart. Barney's on my underpants. (laughs) Jesus, would you say that with me? Jesus, would you stand with me, please, for a moment as we pray and offer this time to God? Yes. Jesus, thank you for how you've been working already uh, through this series, through this service, and I pray that in these next few moments, we would see we would see you for who you really are. May you be exalted in our midst. May we take hold of you and you take hold of us and our lives will be changed because we met you in this moment. That's our heart, that's our desire. All God's people said, amen. 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 Can we give God praise one more time, amen. (laughs) Amen. I know it's early, but how about on the count of three, we shout the name of Jesus together. Will you do that with me on the count of three? One, two, three. Let's try it one more time. One, two, three. Jesus. How about one more time? One, two, three. Jesus. Amen. Let's give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, before you're seated, tell somebody it's all about Jesus. Go ahead. It's all about Jesus. I mean, what is it? What is it that makes Jesus stand out? What is it that makes him unique? There was a best-selling novelist by the name of Anne Rice, and she used to write supernatural thrillers about vampires and mummies. And then she became a fully devoted follower of Jesus and started writing a different kind of novel with her life. And she was once in an interview, and in the interview, they asked her about Jesus, and she described the person of Jesus this way. She said, Jesus is the ultimate supernatural hero, the ultimate immortal of them all. I like that. It speaks to our generation. What is it that makes Jesus so unique? What is it that makes him stand out? I invite you to think with me about that question today. Of course, the first thing that comes to mind for me is the radical claims that Jesus made about himself. For example, Jesus claimed to be the light of the world. He claimed to be the bread of life. He claimed to be the good shepherd. He claimed to be the true vine. He claimed to be the resurrection and the life. Jesus didn't say, I'll show you the way or I'll show you the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. That is a radical claim right there. But the most radical claim of all, it seems to me, has to do with the divinity of Christ, that Jesus claimed he was God? There was a film by the name of Evan Almighty, maybe you saw it, and in the film, there's a guy by the name of Evan, and he runs into a person, and the person introduces himself, and at first, Evan has a hard time buying in to who this guy is. Watch the screens and see if you remember this.
1: Well, let's just start over. Ha ha, hello. I am Evan, Evan Baxter. Baxter
0: born June
2: 15th, 1962. Eight pounds, 11 ounces. Mother's Carol Ann Parker, father Eugene Evan Baxter.
1: Ooh, you have internet access, very impressive. Do you also have cable?
2: You're a clean freak. You care much too much about your outward appearance. Your left nipple is a quarter inch higher than your right nipple, and when you were a little boy, you were afraid of Gumby. Who are you? I'm God. You're God. Yes, and I want you, Kevin Baxter, to build an ark.
1: Okay, you know what? This conversation is a little thing I like to call over, but I gotta get going because frankly, I have an ark to build. Busy, 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 busy. Nice meeting you. Take care. Oh, and... All right. See you later.
0: If you met someone and they said to you, I am God, how would you respond to that? That's a very radical claim to make. And this is what Jesus says about himself, that he is truly man and he's truly God. In one place, he has a back and forth with his adversaries and they're trash talking him. They're giving him a hard time. They say to him, oh, you're just a Samaritan or you're controlled by a demon. And Jesus replies in this way. He says, Abraham was filled with joy at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You, and they replied, his adversaries, you not, are not even 50 years old, they said to Jesus. When you, and you have seen Abraham? Abraham? And Jesus said, what I'm about to tell you is true. Before Abraham was born, I am. Say that with me, I am. Now if that sounds familiar, that's the way God described himself in the Old Testament. He described himself as the I am. And now Jesus takes that same language that God used to describe himself in the Old Testament and he describes himself in that way, that he is the I am. And his adversaries get so mad, they've got steam coming out of their ears. This is what happens. It says that they picked up stones to kill him. This is the claim that got Jesus crucified. It wasn't his teaching about the golden rule that got him crucified. It was this claim that he was, in fact, God that got him crucified. It is a radical claim to make. There was a, another leader by the name of Confucius. He lived about 500 years before Jesus. And he was, what he did is he distributed wisdom. He would gather sayings or he would create sayings, he put them all together, and he passed them along. He would have sayings like this. It does not matter how slowly you go as long as you do not stop. I like that one. Here's another Confucius saying. It says, our greatest glory is not in never falling, but in rising every time we fall. That's another good one. Now, he had a lot of good sayings like that, but he never claimed... To be God. In fact, even in his teaching, he didn't really teach people per se about God. He taught people how to treat one another. And then Jesus shows up and he not only teaches people about God, but he claims that he is in fact truly man and truly God. In fact, John chapter 1, verse, uh, verses 1 and 3 and 14 read this way it says, In be- the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we, 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 John writes, We have seen his glory, that in Jesus we have someone who is truly man and truly God, and that is what makes him stand out. Can we give him praise today, amen. Wow. We need to know what is it about Jesus that makes him stand out. Well, we could look at other things. For example, there is the moral life that Jesus lived. That's what makes him stand out. I saw this one lady, and she's waiting for the perfect husband. And as you can see up here, she's been waiting for a very long time. What would it be like to run into a perfect, a genuinely perfect person? Well, it's playoff season in baseball, and so... Imagine with me, we also have support groups for Giants and A's fans following the service. But it is playoff season in baseball. I didn't plan to say that. It just came out. It is playoff season in baseball. And imagine that you had a player on your team. That that player got a hit every time, every single time he got up to bat, he got a hit. Never made an out. Now, if a player gets a hit one out of three times or one out of four times, he's considered a pretty good player. But you have a player on your team that every time he gets up to bat, he gets a hit. But let's take it even further. He's not only done it this season, but throughout his entire career, in the major leagues, in the minor leagues, In college, in high school, in Little League, in T-ball, he never grounded out, he never flew out, he never struck out. Every single time he got up to bat, he got a hit. If you look at the back of his baseball card, it looks like this. He batted a (laughs) 1,000. Do you think that person would stand out on your team? This is what Jesus did. From a moral perspective, he batted a thousand. That means every single time he had to make a decision, every single time he had to make a choice, he got it right. He was morally flawless. Now that's a radical thing to say. In 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 22 through 23, it says this about Jesus. It says he didn't commit any sin no lies ever came out of his mouth people shouted at him and made fun of him but he didn't do the same thing back to them he didn't commit any sin say that with me he didn't commit any sin he was morally flawless his closest friends could find no fault in him his worst enemies could find no fault in him. Throughout his entire career, he batted 1,000. Let me ask you a question. Do you know anybody else like that? I know when it comes to my moral life, I haven't batted 1,000. In fact, if you look at the back of my baseball card, 250 is a pretty good number for me. I know I haven't batted 1,000, but let me ask you this. Have you batted 1,000? Let me ask again. Have you batted a 1,000? If you think you have, let me talk to your closest friends or your worst enemies. Let me talk to your mother-in-law, hello! (laughs) She'll fill me in. I mean, to bat a thousand in your moral life, that's something that makes you stand out. There was another leader in history called Muhammad. He lived about 600 years after Jesus. And it's interesting, in the Quran and the Hadith, they both hint at the fact that Jesus was sinless. And yet, Muhammad himself never claimed to be without flaws. His friends knew his flaws, his enemies knew his flaws. Muhammad admitted that he needed the forgiveness of Allah and the mercy of Allah. And then you have Jesus, who's, who is sinless. He's the only person in human history who has been, who has batted a thousand in his moral life. He came and he lived the perfect life that we could not live. And he dies the death that we deserve to die. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, we read this. Christ never sinned. Say that with me. Christ never sinned, but God put our sin on him. Then we are made right with God because of what Christ has done for us. Can we give him praise? Amen. Christ never sinned. That makes him stand out, and it's also good news for our moral life because Jesus is the best batting coach in the universe. And when you surrender your life to him, your average starts to go up. Your moral beauty, your moral wholeness, it starts to go up from 100 to 200, from 200 to 250, until one day when Jesus returns. Anybody looking forward to that day? How close are we, Pastor Ken, with everything that's going on in the Middle East? How close are we? I can tell you this, we're closer today than we were yesterday. I don't know the day, but I know that when Jesus does return, the Bible says this, that we know that when Christ appears, we will be like him. That's because we will see him as he really is. Anybody else looking forward to that day? Amen. Amen. Jesus, Say that with me, Jesus. Say, what is it? There's been a lot of people in human history, but what is it that makes Jesus stand out? I mean, you could look at the moral life he lived. You could look at the miracle power he had, the miracle power Jesus had. There was an article that came out some time ago, and the title of the article read this way. It said, did Jesus walk on water or ice? And in the article, a scientist suggests that every thousand years or so in Galilee, sometimes sheets of ice will show up. And that Jesus didn't really walk on water, but instead he sort of scooted across the ice. Now, the scientist is an atheist. And what that means, he has a presupposition that there is no God. And because there is no God, there's no such thing as a miracle. And so he has to find a way. He has to find a way to explain away any miracle or else his whole worldview comes crashing down. And before you know it, there is Jesus on ice skates playing hockey for the San Jose Sharks. Come on, man. Say that with me. Come on, man. Now, another thing that's interesting to me is that when you look at the enemies of Jesus, they never denied his miracle power. If anyone had the motivation to deny his miracle power, it would have been them because they wanted to do away with Jesus. But they never deny his power. They had seen some of those miracles and they knew this isn't natural phenomena. These aren't magic tricks. This guy has real power. But they said that he got his power from the dark side. In fact... They say this in Matthew chapter 12, verse 24, it's only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. And yet when you look at the miracles of Jesus, does this look like evil power at work? I mean, we've seen evil power at work. What the terrorists did over in the Middle East, that is evil power at work. But when you look at the miracle power of Jesus I mean Jesus would take a few loaves and fishes And multiply them And feed hungry men, women and children Does that sound like evil to you? Jesus would heal the eyes of a blind man Or heal the legs of a crippled man Or heal the, heal the, the leprosy of a diseased man Does that sound like evil to you? Jesus would cast out demons from a man and put him back in his right mind. Jesus would cast out demons from a woman and she became his first evangelist. Does that sound like evil power to you? Listen, friend, the devil is a bad devil and God is a good God. And in the miracle power of Jesus, we see the goodness of God at work in this world. Can we give him praise? Amen. And that's another thing that makes Jesus stand out. There was a a leader by the name of Buddha, and he lived about 500 years before Jesus. And Buddha was a writer. His focus was on desire. He felt that desire was at the root of all human evil. And so he wrote about it. Now, if you wanted to read everything he wrote about De- desire, you better pull up a chair, it's gonna take you a while. He was a prolific writer. He wrote over 12,000 pages. And yet if you look through all those pages, you never find him claiming to do a miracle or to have miracle power. And then you come to Jesus and Jesus tells those who are listening to him, believe in the evidence In John chapter 10, believe in the evidence of the miraculous works I have done, even if you don't believe me. The miracle power at work in the life of Jesus, this is another thing that makes him stand out and can I add this that miracle power of Jesus is still at work in the world today if you need a miracle the miracle maker is in the house can we give him praise amen the miracle maker is in the house today Jesus say that with me Jesus what is it that makes him stand out I mean, there's the the sinless life he lived, the moral life he lived, there's the miracle power he had, but back again, we go back to this claim of divinity, it's the fact that he was truly man and truly God, that this is really what makes him stand out. Now, Jesus claimed to be the great I am, but how do we know he was telling the truth? I mean, when you look at human history, you'll find that there are other people who claim to be divine. I heard about this one asylum, and in that asylum, one night, one of the patients was saying, I am Napoleon, I am Napoleon, I am Napoleon. And another patient spoke up and said, how do you know you're Napoleon? Who told you that you were Napoleon? And the man said, well, God told me. And at that point, a voice from another room said, I did not. hello. I mean, there's a lot of folks that have showed up on the human stage and claimed some level of divinity. So how do we know Jesus was telling the truth? Well, let's, once again, let's go to the baseball world. I brought this baseball from home, and it's from my office. My wife calls it a shrine. I call it an office. And the baseball is signed right here. If you look carefully, it's signed by baseball legend Reggie Jackson. Now, back in the day when I was young, Reggie was the man. When I was a kid, I wanted to be like Reggie Jackson. Oh, wasn't I a cute kid? Everybody say, oh, (laughs) what happened to me? I was so cute back then. And I would wear his number. My mom would take me up to Oakland to see the games. I had so much fun. He was the man. When I would go up to the games, I would bring my glove. Anybody else bring your glove to the baseball game growing up? I always thought I would catch a foul ball like this. Watch this. I saw this online.
1: Oh yeah, had it the whole way. Watch the jumps.
0: Now that never happened to me. I never caught a foul ball in all the games I went to. But a while back, somebody gave me this ball with Reggie Jackson's signature on it, and it came with something called a letter of authenticity. And what that meant is that this isn't a forgery. It's not a phony, it's not a fake. This right here is his signature. This is the real deal. Real deal, say that with me. Real deal. And when Jesus steps out of the tomb, when Jesus comes back from the dead, it is the ultimate letter of authenticity that he is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do. The resurrection is the ball game. I mean, Jesus had predicted, he had predicted that he would be crucified, he would be buried, and he would come back from the dead. But the disciples did not believe it. They didn't. And so when Jesus was crucified, they were fearful, they were depressed, they thought it was over, that Jesus was finished. There were a lot of people that showed up in the first century and claimed to be the Messiah. And if you look at their movements, they all ended up the same way. The leader would be crucified, the disciples would scatter, you would never hear anything from them again. And yet, even though the disciples thought it was over, with Jesus, it ain't over until Jesus says it's over. And Jesus comes back from the dead, and when he does, the resurrection is the ball game. In fact, even the most skeptical of the disciples, Thomas, we know him as Doubting Thomas. But he was the most skeptical of the disciples, and he said, I won't believe Jesus came back from the dead until I touch him, until I put my hand in his side and my fingers in his palms. And what happens? Jesus shows up and says to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my sight. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas, a first century monotheistic Jewish man, says to Jesus, my Lord and my God. The resurrection convinced Thomas, yeah. The divinity of Jesus and his resurrection He is who he says he is, and he can do what he says he can do. So let me ask you a question as we wrap things up. Do you believe? Will you believe? One of my favorite writers, C.S. Lewis, he once said, really, when it comes to Jesus, there are only three positions you can take. He says, you can decide or believe. You can believe that Jesus was a liar, that he was just the biggest con man in history. Or you can believe that Jesus was a lunatic, that he was, well, the lights were on, but nobody was home. Or you can believe that Jesus is who he says he is and can do what he says he can do, that Jesus is Lord, and when you declare that Jesus is Lord, with Thomas, you bow your knee and you surrender your life to him and say to Jesus, my Lord and my God. And I'm gonna invite you to bow your heads with me for just a moment. Jessica's gonna come out with the team and lead us in a song about Jesus, and then we'll take communion together. But before we do, if you would say, Pastor Ken, I know about Jesus, I've heard about Jesus, but I've never surrendered my life to him. And today I wanna do that. I wanna surrender my life to Jesus Christ. I wanna declare that he is my Lord and he is my God. If that's the decision you're making today, I just want to agree with you that this is your day. Lift up your hand wherever you're at and say, Pastor Ken, that's me right here. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else that would say, Pastor Ken, that's me. Up in the balcony, out there in the amphitheater, those watching online, God sees your hand. He sees your heart. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. As we've looked today at what it is that makes Jesus so unique and stands out, may we once again be awe of the person of Jesus and give him our full devotion, surrender our life to him. Not part of our life, not most of our life, but Jesus, we surrender all of our life to you. And thank you for those who are making that decision today to step across the line and begin the journey with you. God, I pray that all of us would once again, we hear a lot of noise in our world and in our culture, but I pray that you would bring clarity in the midst of all of the noise that we would see just how amazing and beautiful and wonderful and awesome Jesus Christ really is. And what a difference Jesus can make in our lives today. We love you, we believe in you, we give you honor and glory and praise. All God's people said, amen. Can we, can we give Jesus praise one more time? Amen. Hallelujah, <laughs> hallelujah. Amen, Jesus, say that with me. Jesus, say it again. Jesus, I invite you if you will, just stand with me as we prepare to receive communion. If you need the elements, the ushers can serve you. And let's declare what Jesus can do, what he's done for us. If you need a miracle today, the miracle maker is in the house. Amen. And as we come to the Lord's table, his miracle power is found there as well. Jessica, sing.
2: Are you you and burning, weighing heavy. Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel an empty feeling? The shame's on all that's stealing, and you're desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way where there ain't no I'm promising
1: This same miracle-working Jesus, who touched blind eyes and healed lepers, this same miracle-working Jesus, who multiplied for provision for those who are hungry, that same miracle-working Jesus that said to a woman, Hey, I don't condemn you. Go sin no more. He's here. And we're going to celebrate what He has done and what He wants to do. In 1 Peter, we read these words where it says, Jesus bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. And by his stripes, his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. He is overseeing your life right now. And as we hold this broken body, it's a reminder, he is the bread of life. He is the source of life for you in this moment. So whether you need to sort of lay some sins aside, whether you need to receive some healing, whether you need to believe for provision, it's all right here in this moment. Lord Jesus, thank you. You, the miracle-working, moral-living, batting 1,000 Jesus, you've come to us today. You're not a historic figure that was You're the God who was and is and is to come. You are here with us in this moment. We taste of you, the bread of life. Receive his power in Jesus' name. In the same manner, Jesus took the cup. His sacrifice was for you. He's overseeing you. He is your way. He is your truth, your life, your healer, your strength, your comforter. He is all of this for you. And as we receive this cup, receive that life in Jesus' name. Here's to Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One more time as Pastor Kins, let us, let's declare his name together. Jesus. One more time. Jesus. Who saved you from your sins? Jesus! Who can heal you? Jesus! Who can meet every need? Jesus! Amen. Let's give Him thanks and praise. Hallelujah. want to remind you of following service, if you would like prayer, our prayer team will be here in the front and in the amphitheater to pray with you and agree specifically for any need you have. We have a great immersive experience in the chapel called I am courageous. If you haven't seen it yet, I encourage you to go over there to the chapel. Let the Lord minister to you right after service. Let me speak God's blessing on you. Jesus, you are here. Jesus, you go with us. Jesus, you go before us. Let your people sense your presence as they go in your name. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week in the Lord.